Dan Bongino. All the Sanders supporters love throwing bombs at me, and I throw them right back. I'm not here to pull any punches, right? The Dan Bongino Show. This is the great irony of conservatism. Even liberals win under conservatism. Get ready to hear the truth about America. Are you suggesting you're that stupid that other people can run your lives better than you can, even though the cost and quality of what they buy, quote, for you doesn't even matter to them? On a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Hey, welcome to the Renegade Republican with Dan Bongino. Producer Joe, how are you today? All set, my brother. Little Arthur Fonzarelli moment. Hey, hey! I used to love that show. Happy days. Hey, folks! Before I get started, I just have a, a simple request. Please bear with me for I'll, I'll make this as short as possible. But I need a huge favor from you. I'm asking as a friend and uh, your loyal podcast host here. So uh, we've been getting a ton of interest from advertisers, thanks to you, exclusively to you. The numbers yesterday were bonkers. You see those, Joe? We had a yeah, really yeah. good day yesterday. Um, thank you so much. So advertisers, they pay for the show. We're, we're going to keep the show free, hopefully in perpetuity um, for you. Um, but we've been getting a lot of interest uh, from advertisers, and they're interested in a little bit more of a detailed demographic breakdown. I'm not asking you to send me your mother's maiden name, your social security number, anything like that at all. I promise this is done all the time. Um, but a company called PodTrack has a link. Uh, I, I'm going to humbly, respectfully beg you to go to the link. I will put it in the show notes today at Bongino.com. It'll be up at conservativereview.com in the show notes. And if you're on my email list, I will put it in the email as well. Uh, the link, I'll you know, maybe I'll tweet it out too later today. But it will be at the show notes at Bongino.com. It's a link from PodTrack. I'll put it at the top under, uh, under a demographic link. It's just a link. It takes, I promise you, two minutes to fill it out. I actually did it yesterday at Epcot Center on my phone. And by the time I walked from uh, the the center fountain to the uh, soaring ride, it was already done. And it, it just asks you, you know, income, if you bought a car lately. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to, again, respectfully beg you to please uh, go and fill out the link. It makes it a lot easier for us to keep the show free and to provide some data. It doesn't ask you anything personal, what your kids' names are, nothing like that. It's just general data. How old are you? How often do you listen? Mm-hmm. So I'd really appreciate it. It's a pod track link. Uh, it's done all the time in podcasting. I'll put it in the show notes. So thank you so much. For, I, I need uh, a good number of listeners to fill it out so we can get a good uh, good idea of who's listening to the show. So thank you. I'm sorry to take you up your time on that. But again, in, our, in the interest of keeping the show free and our ability to pay for it, um, it does matter. So thank you. All right. Okay. Uh, getting back to uh, a continuation of yesterday's show. So we were talking about this uh, guy from the Young Turks who debated. He's a liberal. He debated Ben Shapiro, who's a conservative at Politicon. And I said I'd produce some audio for you, and I would kind of double down a little bit on the stupidity uh, that he, uh, he he decided to put on display at this debate. Now, I don't even know how to pronounce this guy's name. I've heard of him before. Senk? Kank? Nah. I don't know. Who cares? Uh, I don't know what his name. I, I really, I didn't even bother to look it up because I don't listen to his show. But I think it's Sank or something. But this guy's from the Young Turk. He's he's just a jerk. Um, he's just an annoying jerk. I mean, he he comes out, go go ahead. Ah. <laughs> so he's debating Ben Shapiro, and I brought up yesterday his rather unique economic theory of the recirculation of money. So rather than me reiterating this stupidity and re uh, mentioning it again today, uh, play cut one, Joe, by the way, Joe is hysterical this morning. I sent him these audio cuts. He sends them back to me named. And I kid you not blanking idiot one and blanking idiot two. I'm I'm like, dude, (laughs) really? Like I said, that's, that's, I had, I had, I chuckled a little bit. So this is, um, idiot number one. (laughs) F I one. It would be preposterous to set the tax rate at zero. It would be preposterous to set it 
at 100%. So what we have to do as a society is figure out where we can maximize the most amount of good for, for the country. So, for example, the reason why when taxes are higher, it winds up being better for the economy is because it recirculates the money. So if you give it to the rich, this is hilarious. If you're uneducated, please at least don't... Make it obvious. So if, if you don't know the concept of recirculation of money, then go look it up. <laughs> this is the funniest Jeez. Joe. I'm serious, man. We've been at this a long time now. 517 episodes as of today. This guy, I kid you not, could be one of the dumbest human beings I've ever heard in my life uh, who attempts to be smart. There are a lot of <laughs> dumb people on all sides of the political spectrum. Joe and I have met most of them, sadly. But there are rarely <laughs> dumb people who claim to be smart and then insult the audience for being uneducated like this utter buffoon. I, I, I didn't even give the Shapiro response because it, the guy he's just a moron. Now, a couple things I wanted to bring up about this. Not to redo yesterday's show, but this is just... The more I listened to it yesterday, the more I'm like, man, you know what? I was not going to talk about this, but now I'm going to. This guy, <laughs> he, he mentions the Laffer curve, although he, I'm sure he doesn't know what the Laffer curve is, mm. L-A-F-F-E-R. He probably thinks it's a measure of a clown's effectiveness, named after Art Laffer, a uh, <laughs> economic advisor to Republican presidents in the past. He mentions the Laffer curve. Again, although he has no idea he's mentioning the Laffer curve, I'm sure, and he says, well, if the tax rate was 0%, we wouldn't raise taxes. And if it was 100%, we wouldn't raise any tax rate either. So there's got to be a sweet spot. So he mentions the Laffer curve, and, and that is generally a conservative idea. Yeah. And he'd be correct if he had stopped it there or advanced those ideas. So, Joe, the point he's trying to make, to be clear, let's educate Kank, Sank, whatever the heck his name is, the young the young Turks. Let's call them the young jerks. I mean, this guy's just an <laughs> just an. I, I, I want to say something. He's just a jerk. I want to say he's a, mm, but, you know, it's a family-friendly show. He's like, oh, you are uneducated. Educate yourself. Man. You would think if he understood the Laffer curve, he would say, well, what is that peak of the Laffer curve that generates the most amount of federal tax revenue while at the same time not impacting growth rates, economic growth rates, Joe, which are necessary to... Raise tax revenue, mm. because if you don't have any money coming in or flowing into the economy through income, through corporate profits, which are taxed, you don't have taxes. Now, now, Kank is not that smart. <laughs> Kank. I know his name isn't Kank. OK, but it's just <laughs> what a visual. It reminds me of I know it reminds <laughs> me of George H.W. Bush. He used to call him Saddam. Saddam Hussein. Supposedly <laughs> that drove Saddam Hussein crazy. He did it on purpose. Saddam. Saddam Hussein. Remember that, Joe? Oh, yeah. You're a voice guy. I do. But did, you, you, do you have a George H.W.? Uh, no, I, no, I'm still You're ready to incorporate that. Saddam Hussein. <laughs> so Dana Carvey used to do a good one. Yeah, no, not bad, right? For, for a guy who doesn't yeah. do this professionally like you. But he, he mentions the Laffer curve, but then he never takes the next intellectual step and tells you what that rate is. He All he says is that, now, through his, just to be clear on this, historical experience would dictate that if you went back and looked at the top marginal tax rates and you tried to figure out what an effective rate to produce government tax revenue and economic growth would be, you would look at the Reagan years or the Clinton years, which had the uh, 
measured by the percentage growth in GDP each year, had some of the largest GDP jumps, Joe. And you would find out that in the Reagan years, it was 28%. And under Bill Clinton, it was 35%. So you may say to yourself, unlike uh, Kank, who really has no interest in additional analysis or any intellectual exercises whatsoever, because he's a dope. Um, he would probably say something, well, you know, based on the Reagan years, economic growth and the effectiveness of doubling tax revenue in the Reagan years and the Bill Clinton years where tax revenue jumped as well and economic growth was was uh, was 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 uh, was substantive under those years as well. We would look at a rate between 28 and 35 percent, but he doesn't do that. He goes on to then completely refute everything he just said by suggesting that the rich, Joe, that taking the money from the rich is a good thing because they are. And I had to write this down. Saving for their yachts. And then he goes on again to cite his uh, his his pr- apparently proprietary, unique, and brand new econo- uh, econometric theory of the recirculation of money. By the way, which he mentions Google it. And I, I, I Google, I don't see anything. I, there is no recirculation <laughs> of money theory. So it's fascinating that he calls out the audience for being uneducated as he completely humiliates himself by mentioning a recirculation of money theory that doesn't even exist. It's apparently it's only his uh, Kanks who this guy. I mean, this guy is really one of the most arrogant J-Wads I have ever heard on this. I'm so glad Shapiro humiliated him. So it's interesting that he mentions this concept of recirculation of money, but then talks about, well, you can't give money to the rich because they will save it for their yacht. Again, I don't want to redo yesterday's show, but do you understand how those two ideas can't possibly marry up and correspond One, there is no recirculation of money theory because the money is always recirculating, as Kank says in his next statement about saving, saving (laughs) for their yacht, Kank. So, Kank, if you're saving, Kankster, where does the money go, you dope? Oh, in a financial institution. Again, what happens to the money? Kank apparently thinks they burn it. Wow, Kank, you really are a dope. Have you ever heard of an interest rate? You ever heard of a mortgage? You ever heard of a car loan? You ever heard of a personal loan? You ever heard of a credit card? Where do you think that money comes from, Kank the Money Fairy? Oh, rich people's savings who lend it to middle class and lower income folks who use the money to go buy cars and then pay an interest rate, which the uh, the so-called evil rich people and middle class people who put their money in banks get in return for lending their money to other people based on the risk of getting paid back. That, Joe, is any of this like Econ 772? Man. This is like, I, I kid you not, my daughter learned this in fifth grade. Taking one of those classes where they, you know, you pretend to be a banker and the other one pretends yeah. to be a doctor. This is not complicated. But Kank, who thinks everybody else is uneducated, proceeds again to mention the Laffer curve and then refutes the Laffer curve and then mentions his unique economic theory of the recirculation of money while then refuting the recirculation of money by indicating that money recirculates anyway because rich people save to buy their yacht. <laughs> So part two of the saving for the yacht Kank statement, refuting his own stupid recirculation of money proprietary theory, would tell you that if they are saving for their yacht and then they buy their yacht, Kank's proprietary recirculation of money theory that doesn't apparently work for the rich is then refuted by his own statement because, Joe, if you buy a Mm -hmm. yacht, what happens to the money? 
<laughs> it goes back in the economy, apparently fitting Kenk's recirculation of money theory, which he says does not apply to the rich. Oh, my God. I mean, I would debate this guy, but seriously, I think my IQ would drop 30 points because he's such a dope. And he's one of these arrogant dopes. Like, the, the you know what it is? Mm. They, it magnifies the dope. Like, I live in Florida. You put a magnifying glass under the sun and put it on paper, you're going to start a fire in 10 minutes. This guy's a dope magnifier. He is like a magnifying glass for dopes. Like, they look through the magnifying glass, and the dope power becomes concentrated into a fire of dopiness. I mean, this guy is really stupid. And then he doubles down, like, hey, go, Google it. Google it. Like, the internet's going to back him up for stupidity. I mean, this is incredible. Oh, man, I got a lot to get to today. But this yeah. I, I really didn't want to do this because I know Shapiro annihilated this guy. And I hate to even give this guy time on my podcast because he thinks his show, The Young Jerks, is like the greatest thing ever. He really it's funny because there's this guy um, who did a little YouTube piece taking a taking a shot at Kank. And he says how, you know, the Young Turks guy is like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the Kanksters like, our show has been blowing up. It's in that clip I say you, Joe. He's like, our show's amazing. We're the Young uh, young Jerks. And the guy goes to this uh, website tracker or podcast tracker, and he's like, actually, you know, the Kankster show has been declining in audience. <laughs> so I don't know where he gets it. Apparently, Kank can't tell the truth about anything. All right. Uh, we got one more cut from uh, Kank. Play cut two, Joe, and I'll refute this stupidity in a moment. So the way that it works is that when the middle class... When the middle class has more money, disposable income, they spend it. Why? Because they're not living in the lap of luxury. They're not saving it for their yacht. So they need to buy food for their family. They need education for their family. So they spend it, and it goes back into the economy. Oh, my God, Joseph. Joe, mm-hmm. we talk a lot, right? Yeah. You yeah. know I'm, this is not an act for the show, right? That this this crap really drives me crazy. Yeah. Like, I can't take it. Like, the, the no, stupidity. The, this guy is really, I, I know, folks, I, <laughs> I don't want to waste your time with a lot of emotional, uh, you know, rants against just liberal dopes because you already get it. But I'm dead serious. This guy is one of the top 10 dopes I've ever heard in my life. He just says the exact opposite thing in the same sentence. And I don't know. I guess nobody caught it. I don't like has anyone else heard this folks he's now again <laughs> introducing reintroducing his proprietary unique kank from the young jerks recirculation of money treatise <laughs> I don't even know what to call this thing and he refutes it again in the same sentence he goes well when you put money back in the pockets of the middle class they're not living in the lap of luxury and they spend it Holy Moses, Kank. Kank. <laughs> Kank, seriously. Are you this dumb? Think about what you just I'm just asking you to think about what you said. Uh, forget about what anybody else said. Think about what you just said. Putting money back in the pockets of the middle class. Okay. That works. Well, yeah, we agree. But you're not talking about doing that. You're talking about raising taxes in the economy, which literally takes money from the middle class. Now, Kank will respond and go, nah, I'm only talking about business taxes. And I'm only talking about taxing the rich. Okay, none of that actually happens. Look at historical data and research because we're all uneducated, Kank. When you look at corporate and capital gains taxes, so-called taxes on the rich and investment, a lot, not all, but a significant portion of those taxes are passed on to middle-class consumers. Kank, do you even read? You dope? 
the money comes from the middle class. So in your opening, your anything you say after your opening is already wrong, but I'll address your other stupidity in a second. These taxes come from the middle class. So how are you putting money back in the middle class's pocket by taking it out of their pockets, running it through the government that takes about a 40 cents on the dollar bureaucratic fee to pay the bureaucrats to take it from you to then give you 60 cents back on the dollar and now you're richer? <sighs> Google it. Gosh. <laughs> Hank, Google it, Kank. Google it. Oh, Try good. the interweb. You dope. <laughs> Um, I mean, is this guy serious? Then he goes on to say, and I'll, I'll wrap it up because it's, I'm, I mean, I'm seriously losing IQ points and I have a heavy lifting session today planned and I'm going to need it. He then goes on to say, and they wouldn't be living, they're not living in the lap of luxury, the middle class. They would spend it. Joe, can you, can you please process that statement for a minute because you're a reasonable guy? If, if you're rich, let me ask you some big, because you are the audience on Buzzman. Yes. If you are one of, 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 of Kank's evil, wealthy people, right? Bruh. You're the evil rich guy, the Thurston Howell on the island, yes. right? Yes. And if you are living in the lap of luxury, does the lap of luxury mean to you that you've actually bought goods and services? What does that mean? I, I I don't know. I'm too busy living in the lab of luxury. Uh, exactly. Thinking about it. Well, apparently, Kank is too because he hasn't thought uh. through what he just said. The rich are living in the lap of luxury, so if you take their money, the middle class will spend it. Well, what is it? What? Does spending money and recirculating it in the economy matter, or does it not? Because if you're li- living in the lap of luxury, to quote Kank, right, Joe? Yeah. Then you must yes. have bought something, a Bentley. A condo, oh, yeah. a beachfront property. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. uh, Gilligan's Island, the whatever <laughs> Thurston had. Remember Thurston always had stuff the others didn't oh, on the island. I always wondered why, why no one robbed Thurston Howell. He had all the fancy clothes and everything on Gilligan's Island. <laughs> you would think if we want like, uh, you know, um, Lord of the Fly style that they'd be taking his stuff. But the whole point <laughs> of the thing is K- Kank refutes his own statement by saying the rich are living in the lap of luxury. So right. Kank, what is it? Is the money recirculating by the rich buying stuff Jeez. or is it not? Is it being burned like you're somehow I- implicitly suggesting by your proprietary recirculation of money theory? No, it only matters that we take it from the rich, the money, take away the stuff they were going to recirculate let the government take a cut of it and then give it to the middle class to recirculate in addition to the taxes we hit the middle class with as well because the taxing of the rich also filters down to them and there you go oh my gosh i mean folks i've listened to this stuff and i'm like can these people be this dumb well the amazing part to me is that there are folks that will sit there shake their head in agreement with with this guy. Oh, oh they love it. They yeah. eat it up. The guy does have a substantial audience. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit here and and bash him, but I mean his, right. he's overly dramatizing the growth of his show. I'm a, you know, he's he's and he's an arrogant jerk. Uh, you know, so the more I listened to it, the more upset I got. So that's why, that's why I brought this up. All right, I got some more audio with Stephen Miller yesterday, the White House uh Oh yeah. Aide. I don't know if you folks saw this, the press conference. Stephen Miller uh, it really just annihilating CNN's Jim Acosta at a White House briefing on immigration. I have some audio. If you haven't heard this, you are mi- you are sincerely missing out. Stephen Miller, I don't have a lot of like heroes and all, but this guy is rapidly moving up my charts. It was a it was a masterful performance. Before I get to that, um, today's show brought to you by our buddies at Brickhouse Nutrition. Um, thank you for all the feedback. I got a wonderful email today, uh, and I'm quoting directly. It was an email about a lot of things about the show, and I, I always appreciate the feedback. It was some really good stuff. Mm-hmm. But at the end, he says, hey, and by the way, with regard to Brickhouse Nutrition, 
caps, wow, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. I sent the email uh, immediately. He goes on to talk about how great their Dawn to Dust product is. It's an energy product. I sent that on to Miles. I said, hey, read this. Uh, Folks, it is a great product. You know, a lot of you live very, very busy lives. I I know I live one myself. Yesterday was a really, really long day, not necessarily work, but by the time I got home, I was tired. If you do not want to go and guzzle down these really unhealthy kind of sometimes unsafe energy drinks and uh, tons of coffee today, excuse me, tons of coffee and, uh, you know, numerous, uh, you know, different energy, you know, diet Cokes, whatever it may be, because you're going to get the ups and downs. Try dawn to dusk. It gives you a nice time release energy response lasts about 10 hours. This is absolutely ideal. You won't get the ups and downs. You'll get that elevation. You'll get that mental focus. You'll get the energy, but you won't have to deal with the pitfalls or the crashes. Go check it out. It's called Dawn to Dust. It's great for cops, for firemen, for working moms, for parents who live busy lives, CEOs, people on assembly lines, people who work with their hands all day and bust their butts that need to get through a long work day. Give it a shot. Take it with a glass of water. It'll help you get through the day. It's called Dawn to Dusk. It's available at BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. All right. Another reason I was super excited about the show today and raring to go, and uh, Joe Joe usually texts me all set. I was like, good, let's get this thing on the road here. So again, Stephen Miller gives this press conference at the White House, and he spars with Jim Acosta. Now, I'm going to set up this audio now. The first cut here is CNN's Jim Acosta. Uh, asking Stephen Miller about the RAISE Act, which, Joe, remember we mentioned yesterday? Yeah. It, it is a immigration proposal with, uh, by, uh, by Senator Tom Cotton in conjunction with the White House, their imprimatur here, to reduce uh, legal immigration, Joe. Let me want to be clear on this, folks, before we go forward. Mm-hmm. Legal immigration to the United States from about $1 million per year to about 500000 now, of course, Acosta, who I've never had a personal problem with, but I I just can't understand like where Acosta's going with this opening question. It seems like Acosta doesn't understand the numbers, and um, Miller just annihilates him. So play cut one. This is Acosta's question at the White House press conference. Uh, what you're proposing, or what the president's proposing here, does not sound like it's in keeping with American tradition when it comes to immigration. The Statue of Liberty says, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses, you're in free. doesn't say anything about speaking English or being able to uh, compu- be a computer programmer. Uh, aren't you trying to change what it means to be an immigrant coming into this country if, if you're telling them uh, you have to speak English? Uh, can't people learn how to speak English when they get here? Okay, I, I, I had to write down where to go because even in that question, there's so much wrong mm-hmm. that I didn't want to get lost in the nuance. So two things I want to hit on. Number one, uh, he mentions the American tradition. He says, well, is this, in quote, in keeping with the American tradition? Um, folks, the American tradition of immigration, that's not, that, what, I don't understand, like, what does that mean? Is there an, this is a typical press statement, and this is where they start editorializing and not being journalists. What exactly does that mean? Now, if you were doing a Joe Friday and you were an actual journalist, Joe, and you were interested in the, just the facts, right? Mm -hmm. The old, what is that dragnet? Yeah. It's a little pre-year, but you know, I always get this stuff wrong. I love politics. I usually get it right. Uh, culture stuff. I'm always getting. You sure it's Dragnet, right? Because I'll get a thousand emails. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Joe just, Fry. Yeah. Okay, just the good. facts, Dan. Just the facts. Okay. Now, if you were doing a journalistic endeavor and you were interested in just the facts, folks, what does that mean? That is an inherently open-ended question that is not subject to a precise answer. Why? 
Because, Joe, I mean, listen, you and I have the same political leanings, but I'll be honest with you. If I asked you, Joe, hey, Joe, what do you feel the, quote, American tradition on immigration is? I guarantee you, you would give a different answer than I would. I might mention chain migration. You may mention numbers of legal immigration, number of legal immigrants. I, I might mention our policy towards asylum when you know people yeah. come here from Cuba because I live in Florida. That's, do you understand how that's not a journalistic question? That's an opinion question. Yes, it's true. an editorial. He's editorializing clearly. Absolutely. Now, when we play Miller's answer or part of it in a moment, You'll see how Miller just uh, completely annihilates him because Acosta is clearly unfamiliar with the actual tradition when it comes to numbers. But one more thing I wanted to bring up on this. I said I had two points and I'm going to stick to it. Folks, this guy's a journalist, Acosta. A poem on the Statue of Liberty that says, give us your tired, your poor, your huddled masses. Yeah, that's a nice, it's a beautiful poem. Everybody loves it. We are a great country. We have taken in millions of people uh, around the world who've been oppressed. But Joe, this guy's a journalist. Can we both agree here? And this should, this is again, this isn't a complex statement. I'm not trying to be uh, funny or witty. That that's not the law. A poem on the Statue of Liberty. That's not the law, right, Joe? Like right. I'm not crazy. No, it's a poem. The poem was not incorporated into the Constitution. The poem is not part of state uh, or, excuse me, federal immigration law or some state's incorporation of federal immigration law. It's a beautiful poem. It's Mm -hmm. a nice poem. Um, It nicely sums up the United States position on rescuing people from tyranny. But it's a poem. Folks, can we be clear on this? This is a journalist or he says he's a journalist asking a White House aide about a law the Rays Act, and citing a poem on the Statue of Liberty. That's an editorial question. That's not, that is in no way that that in, in any way, shape, or form, a question about the law they're proposing. You're citing a poem on the Statue of Liberty? All right, uh, get a cut two ready for me from Miller here. Mm -hmm. This is Miller's answer, and I'm going to kind of double down and explain a little bit uh, what the argument really is and why the left wants to run away from the argument. They want to talk about open-ended, kind of nearly meaningless stuff. And I say meaningless because it could mean two different things to two different people, which means it doesn't have a meaning at all. All right. Let's, play let's talk about this. It was a modest Jim, let's talk about this. In 1970, when we let in 300,000 people a year, was that violating or not violating the Statue of Liberty law of the land? In, 19, in the 1990s, when it was half a million a year, was it violating or not violating the Statue of Liberty law of the land? Was it violating? When it was 700,000 years. No, tell me what years. Tell me what years. Tell me what years. Meet. Tell me what years. Meet Jim Acosta's definition of the Statue of Liberty poem, Law of the Land. Nice. Yes. Finally, yeah. Joe. Finally, a spokesman at the podium who does what I've been begging Republicans to do for a long time. Do not answer a misleading, nonsensical question with an answer. Answer it with a question asking them to clarify the question. Because when Jim Acosta asks about the American tradition, nobody knows what that means. No, no. <laughs> let me refer. You know what? I'm wrong, Joe. Mm. Everybody knows what that means. But it doesn't mean the same thing to everyone. Therefore, it's meaningless. What are you talking about? So Miller expertly. If you're listening, Miller, and I know there's someone in the White House, a friend of mine who listens, please pass this on. Two, well, it has two thumbs and loves Stephen Miller after yesterday. This guy, I'm pointing at myself. 
Good job. <laughs> two thumbs up. Siskel and Ebert, two thumbs up. Finally turning the tables. He then turns around and says to Acosta, what do you mean by the American tradition on immigration? Are you talking about the 500,000 people we admitted in a year in the 90s under Bill Clinton? Because, Joe, if you remember back then in the Clinton days, there was no big Mm -hmm. uproar from the Democrats about, oh, 500,000 is not the American tradition. We we need to let in a million people. I don't remember any of that, do you? But let Mm -hmm. me get this straight. Now that Donald Trump is looking for a more sane immigration policy where we cut the number of legal immigrants so we can let people here assimilate, and we go back to the number of the Clinton years, now all of a sudden it's a really big deal, even though it wasn't under the Clinton years. That's called a double standard, for those of you who aren't familiar with logic and reason. It wasn't a big deal under Clinton, 500,000, but now that Trump proposes it, it's a huge deal. And Acosta has no idea how to answer. Why? Because he gave an, he does what the press does. And if you ever run for office, don't do not sleep on this trick. They will give you an open-ended term that has no definable meaning. They want to catch you in an answer so that they can't use facts to you can't use facts to to to, uh, to refute what they're saying. They'll do this all the time. Uh, let me give you an analogy. What they, they do it on tax cuts all the time. They'll say something like, "Well, well, these are just tax cuts, you know, for the wealthy." And instead of mm. coming back with a question to them, Joe, like, here's how I used to do it when I was running. And I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just saying, like, I, I've been hip to this for a long time. A lot of people are. It's not just me. But you say, well, how do you define the wealthy? And then they'll panic. They'll be like, well, you know, the tax cuts proposed for people making over $250,000 a year. I say, well, what's your evidence that these tax cuts are going to cause them to pay less money? Well, because they're hiking your tax rates. What are you, an idiot? Yeah, well, um, no, I'm not. I'm just suggesting, and if you look at the research of Stephen Moore and the Heritage Foundation and a number of think tanks out there, that the Reagan tax cuts where tax rate cuts were cut on the wealthy, that the wealthy not only paid more in, in, in total amount, but they paid more as a percentage of the total tax load as well. You're familiar with this research, right? And then, wa- Joe, watch them panic like Acosta did. But the only way to get them to panic and put them back on their heels is to ask them to define their open-ended, nonsensical terms. The tax cuts for the rich. Okay, what does that mean? What does that mean? Watch them panic. Because, folks, here's the dirty little secret about journalism. You know, in my prior line of work, I was around them all the time. There are some good people. I'm not bashing them all. Or even some of the liberals are nice people if they're ideologically wrong. But I can't give you a percentage, but I'm telling you right now a good swath of them are some of the dumbest people you have ever met. You would be stunned at the level of ignorance. I'm not kidding. I would talk to them on the press plane on Air Force One when I was the press agent. When you first get to the Secret Service detail, you're the press guy because that's where you can do the mm-hmm. least amount of damage, frankly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not you're far away from the president. You would be stunned at some of the conversations I overheard. If you think for a second Jim Acosta has the first idea about detailed immigration policy. With all due respect to his family, I know his father was an immigrant. I'm not talking about his personal story. I have a personal story with immigration as well. I'm talking about his policy, his legislative um, acumen, his historical uh, knowledge base on immigration. I guarantee you, you'd be stunned at how little he knows. Yet he's there as some kind of authority in the White House press room, Joe, on on, on immigration mm-hmm. theory. It's just absurd. It's just absurd. All right, I got a, a couple more great, great, great stories to get. You can probably tell I'm really excited about today's show. If I don't finish it all today, I'm going to get to them uh, tomorrow because there is just a 
cornucopia of beautiful stuff today. Uh-huh. All right, today's show also brought to you by our friends at My Patriot Supply. I got another email from a, a person about My Patriot Supply. Say, hey, I'm thinking about buying it. I, I, you know, I already have a good supply of emergency food. Well, good for you, but this is the best stuff out there, and this is why we took these guys on as a sponsor. It lasts 25 years. Their food, uh, their food, the supply, the one month emergency supply of food, they will sell you for just ninety nine dollars. By the way, preparewithdan.com comes with breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and it's a really diverse menu of stuff. You know, it's not just like mac and cheese and oatmeal. It is a really good variety of food it lasts 25 years you know go check it out preparewithdan.com look at some of the pictures look at some of the menu stuff they have on there it's really worth your time folks we ensure everything in our lives that matters uh, you know i use the old uh, dan bongino motto right better to have it not need it than to need it and not have it we ensure everything yeah. in our lives that matters our cars thanks for all the feedback on the raptor by the way we ensure our homes we ensure our health not ensuring your food supply is just insane i'm i'm, I'm asking you as a as the host uh, one to support our sponsors but two because it's a smart move go give it a shot go to preparewithdan.com pick up your one month supply of emergency food today again in the last 25 years preparewithdan.com it's only 99 dollars. it's a small price to pay for the uh the sanity of knowing you have an emergency food supply god forbid you need it hopefully in 25 years you don't i think the folks at my patriot supply would agree joe and i as well but god forbid you did better to have it i mean i just bought an extended warranty despite all my knowledge of how you know, I, I, in my MBA class, we did analysis, an analysis of leases, and we did an analysis of extended warranties, and they're usually a total waste of mm-hmm. money. But you know what? The, the Patriot Supply stuff is not. This may have been a waste of money, the extended warranty on a Raptor, Joe. But after some of my yeah. problems with cars in the past, I was like, you know, I'm not even paying for, for car service. I know you're like, what, well, what else would you buy? Yeah. I'm not. You know what I'm paying for? Sanity. Seriously, right? You know, Joe, I, with all my problems with yeah. cars in the past, I have an ex- expensive car now. I love it. It's this Raptor. It's great. I love it so far. I'm just paying for sanity. So it's worth it. My dad's like, yeah, good move. Love my, my father. By the way, it was, um, I'm going to say the day, but my it, my father and my wives have birth and my wives. <laughs> Dude. Jeez. That's hysterical. My, right. father and my, <laughs> my father and my wife, my multiple wives. I love this. <laughs> Dude, don't even cut that out. That's hysterical. My wife, planning, I know. Man. Even if I told you, you keep that in because he knows Paula. My wife, my father, and my wife have. Uh, I was going to say have birthdays, and I put the plural of wives have birthdays this week. So a big happy birthday! Uh, my father's a really good man, super hard hey. worker, and my wife is just everything to me. She's uh, she's just the greatest woman I know. So I wanted to give her a shout out. Uh, she's just terrific. And she helps a lot with the show, folks. She keeps, as Joe well knows, she keeps the costs way down by doing a lot of the internet stuff. So oh, uh, yeah. thank you to Paula. All right, one last story. Ugh, so much I wanted to get to. Do you remember the story we mentioned a few weeks ago? This is a bombshell. It's not getting any, of course, publicity by the mainstream media, which is interested only in advancing the cause of the Democratic Party. But remember the story about minimum wage in Seattle, Joe, and that study that came out yeah. and the mayor tried to bury yeah. it? Well, the Washington mm-hmm. Free Beacon has a bombshell, and I mean a bombshell story about this. They, um, There was a kind of a FOIA request, a public records re- request. Obviously, FOIA wouldn't apply mm-hmm. to the states and the cities, but a public records request about emails. And here, here's a... Let me just sum it up for you quickly, and I'll put the free beacon story in the show notes available at Bongino.com, and if you sign up for my mailing list, we'll send them to you every day, these stories. 
they got this public record request for emails. And what happened was Seattle instituted a $15 phased in minimum wage. And in order to advance this liberal union backed initiative, they wanted a research study to put out, you know, the data to say, hey, look, look at what this is going to do for low income workers, Joe. But mm-hmm. what's the problem? Yeah. Well, the University of Washington took it upon themselves in conjunction with, uh, I think it was the National Bureau of Economic Research, to do a study on the effects of this $15 an hour minimum wage. And the study, when the mayor, uh, the mayor's name is Ed Murray of Seattle, when the mayor got wind of the results of the University of Washington's uh, study on the $15 an hour minimum wage in Seattle, they panicked. Well, Why? Because the minimum wage study, as we indicated in a prior show, showed that the lower income folks who were supposed to benefit from the $15 an hour minimum wage would actually lose $179 a month. I'm not laughing. It's not funny. I I, I only laugh because facts and data don't matter to liberals. They only matter when they're their facts and data. Again, just like Jim Acosta, open-ended questions so they can fit the, you know, put the puzzle pieces in with their own facts and data and not the real facts and data. So- This University of Washington study, which was uh, cited widely by conservative outlets, has yet to be in any way debunked. Um, I'm not saying it's dispositive on the issue, but Joe, I'm I'm just going to suggest to you when a research study confirms what most sane people would understand to be a rule of thumb or common sense, you should probably lean Mm -hmm. in the direction that it's a that it's a, a well done study. The common sense here is should be common. If you ask employers to pay more for labor employers will decrease the amount of labor they use or they will decrease the salaries of the labor they have up to, you know, up into a point. Mm. Folks, there's no other way. I mean, I've used the lemonade stand and I'm an example and I'm going to use mm-hmm. it again because it's the only simple way to explain to liberals basic math on minimum wage. If you own a lemonade stand and you have two employees and by hiring a third employee, you can earn an additional $10 for the business an hour. In its most simplest form, you cannot hire that third employee at $12 an hour. Joe, is this complicated? Now, wh- why would that be? Not at you all. hire Dan. the third employee, you will make 10 additional dollars an hour. Well, I'm demanding $12 mm-hmm. an hour. Okay, but I'm not going to lose $2 an hour by hiring you. I'm not going to pay you 12 right. to make me 10 Now, that's complicated for liberals. I get that. Uh, so what happens in the real world, and the University of Washington study was pretty clear on this, is that when you up the minimum wage to $15 an hour, either employees do not bring on additional employees that they would have, Joe, because they're not mm-hmm. they're not worth that to them productivity wise fifteen dollars. The skills aren't there. That's mm-hmm. just a fact. Or they let go employees to pay the employees they have left the additional money they have to pay. Uh, it, Joe, again, being the ombudsman, is any of that complicated? Okay, no, so there's no. the set. Of course, no. it's not. <laughs> no. So there's the setup. So what happened? So the mayor, one of his staffers, this Carlo Calderola Davis. Sorry, I'm reading as I uh, I, I go through this here. In one of the emails. He emails a Berkeley researcher, Berkeley, this researcher, Michael Rice, is apparently very sympathetic. Uh, Apparently, he's a liberal, very sympathetic to higher minimum wages. So they asked this guy, Michael Rice from Berkeley to do another study and get it out fast so that they could refute the University of Washington study saying minimum wage was going to hurt, hurt people at the lower end of the income scale. So here's a quote from one of the emails from one of the mayor's staffers of Seattle the liberal mayor, to this liberal researcher trying to refute the, uh, the report here. Mm. He's, he's talking about the press release for, about the, his, the liberal study. He says the release still calls out the University of Washington study. 
don't want your positive news to serve as a uh, teaser for the University of Washington study. Folks, why did I pick that specific email out and that specific quote? Hmm. Because it's not just that liberals are trying to hide the truth. And not, it's not just that liberals basically coordinated with a new liberal researcher at Berkeley to put forth a new, quote, study, Joe, that would show liberal uh, minimum wage was helping lower income people. It's that mm-hmm. they want you in the press release about the new study to not even hear about, Joe, to not even hear about the University of Washington study. Mm-hmm. Folks, this yeah, is yeah, liberalism. Yeah. And why do I bring it up? Because what's a constant theme of this show over and over? Gaslighting. This is what liberals do. They gaslight. They say something they know is untrue. Forcing companies to pay more will benefit people at the lower end of the income scale. They don't ask basic questions like, well, where are employers going to get the money? Oh, they're not. They're just going to fire some of their employees. Oh, okay. So say something silly. Forcing employers to pay more will benefit people at the lower age of the income scale. Say something untrue. Say it confidently, which liberals always do. Just like Kank, right at the beginning? Google it. Google it. Mm -hmm. Even though what he's saying is dumb and he refutes his own statement. Say a lie. Repeat the lie confidently. And then isolate people from the truth. That is gaslighting. This email and I will put the Washington Free Beacon post in the uh, post in the show notes. Look it up. They have the emails in there. This email says it all. He asked a new liberal researcher for a study that refutes the University of Washington study. But he says, do me a favor. Don't even cite the University of Washington study because he doesn't want you to understand reality. He doesn't want you to know the truth. He doesn't want you to weigh, Joe, the pros and the cons, the positives versus the negatives, the marginal benefits of a, of, of a, of a policy or a legislative approach. Then liberals don't want you to do that. They want you to be gaslit. And gaslit is saying something, saying it confidently, lying about it, and isolating you from the truth. So the gaslighting, fight for 15. Fight for 15. Scream it over and over. Never talk about the consequences of that policy. Tell the, another researcher to not even tell the public about a research study saying that the fight for 15 is actually costing people $179 a month. Talk, say, and then isolate people from the truth completely and lie over and over and over again. Folks, this is why I will never, ever be a liberal ever in my life. And hopefully no one in my family will be either. Because I cannot be dishonest. This is pathological dishonesty. Folks, name me an issue. I'll tell you where the liberals have followed the exact same approach. The liberals will never, ever publish data about the deficits, annual deficits growing under the Clinton years, ever, either with the liberal media, despite the fact that they'll tell you there was a Clinton surplus. The media will never tell you that tax revenue doubled under Reagan, even though they cut the tax rates even though it's out there for anyone to see because they want to isolate you from the truth. They won't even mention it as a counter argument. They won't even mention it. One more thing on this. Folks, there's a very troublesome replication crisis in in the humanities right now. Psychological research, economics research. Um, These are not hard sciences, okay? The hard sciences, biology, chemistry, physics, organic chemistry. Um, These are the hard sciences. These are You're always going to have confounding variables, even in the hard sciences, but they're relatively easy to control using statistical analysis. You can randomize the effects of it. I'm not going to go into the details. I've discussed this before. But when you're in the hard sciences, Joe, and you're trying to detect the biological effects on a human being of a drug, it's relatively uncomplicated to give that drug to a randomized group of people and to see if it helps or not. If if I give Joe Armacost a blood pressure drug, I don't only want to give it Mm -hmm. to Joe. 
because there could be a confounding variable. Let's say your blood pressure goes down. I cannot conclusively mm-hmm. say, Joe, that drug A caused your blood pressure to go down, even though after you took it, it did. Well, why can't I conclusively mm-hmm. say that? Because I know Joe just started, you know, got back in the gym again. Joe, Joe's a healthy guy. Mm-hmm. It could have been because mm-hmm. Joe's walking on a treadmill, lifting weights. Those are confounding variables. Now, you can control some of those, but you can't control all of them. It's impossible. We don't live in test tubes. Folks, that's hard enough in the hard sciences. When you start getting to the, you know, humanities, social sciences, and when you get into, uh, you know, economics and you get into psychology, do you have any idea how complicated it is to control the variables? Imagine saying like, well, we're going to determine the effects of minimum wage on University of Washington. We're going to compare it to Kansas. Uh, What? They're two completely different states, different regulations, different court systems, different systems of policing, two completely different states, Joe. Do you have any idea how hard it is to control those variables? The only point I'm trying to make is, even though the University of Washington study said what conservatives already know, that minimum wage is actually taking money from people on the lower end of the income scale, I'm telling you and I'm telling Kank and all these other people who like to quote liberal research studies, folks, if it violates a common sense rule of thumb, like asking employers to pay more for labor will will cause them to use less labor. I don't care what your economic research says. There is a replication crisis now, which is showing that these folks, they can't, can't, in other words, when I say replication crisis, Joe, they can't replicate a lot of their own studies. Either way, because it's just impossible to control all of these variables in the humanities. That makes sense? It's so if you mm-hmm. do a study that says, you know, Joe Armacost's raise, uh, you know, a minimum mm-hmm. wage gave Joe more money. You're, you're going to have sure. a difficult time replicating that to Tommy Armacost or or, or Joey Bag of Donuts because you don't know the variables mm-hmm. in their lives. I'm just asking you to use common sense. And sadly, people like uh, Kank have none of them. And this this report shows you that liberals will cherry pick data, even though they can't replicate the data nine out of 10 times for themselves. All right, so uh, folks, thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. I got a lot more on tomorrow's show. The show was way too stacked today, so please don't miss it. There's some really juicy stuff out there. I'll see you tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.